I have multiple drinks. I don't intend to get drunk. I just am taking the edge off. I've got to, yesterday. I had terrible headache all day. Um, and uh, this morning I woke up and I've got the swollen nymph nymph. <laughs> swollen nymphs. Nymph loads. Uh, They're nymph loads. Well, loads. Pfizer, Pfizer will do that. Pfizer will do that. Yeah, soon, yeah. it's swollen up. And so I'm just taking the edge off just a little bit, right? Cool. So you're uh, you're okay with the kids then, Oliver? I thought they were going to make a surprise appearance on the... Uh, no, they're in front of a film. So I think they're good. <laughs> I am now going to go and check that they haven't, I don't know, trashed the uh, television or something. What, what five and three, be? they're watching Deadpool. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> digital Hopefully parental controls have kicked in. Sorry, go on. Did you say the digital babysitter or something was going to watch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are, what are they watching? What, what's their... What's I their think they're watching one of the Cars movies on Disney+. Plus. That's what, uh, that's what they look like they're watching. So oh uh, it's God. fairly safe. Cute. At least that's what I think they're watching. They're probably yeah. watching, I don't know, some gruesome horror movie or something. No, they're over on HBO Max watching... Uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, I, so I started Game of Thrones with my 15-year-old son. Just a bit of insight into the Lockhart life there. Yeah, total total parental dysfunction. Is that the... Speaking of coaching and apprenticeship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more the apprenticeship model. It's less the coaching and mentoring model. Yeah. Hello, yeah. Is that the child protection hotline? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Welcome to another episode of Consultants Saying Things. I am Chris Lockhart, and joined today by Oliver Cronk, Phil Yanoff, and Wendy Keen. Um, we're talking about coaching. We're talking about mentoring. We're talking about you know all of those things that are related to that. Um, you know, I, I I have sort of a philosophy on it. Um, you know, I think I think coaching, as is being practiced in many places, is kind of a a bullshit endeavor in some in some areas. Uh, we'll bleep that out, but. Um, Oliver, I wanted to get I wanted to get your take on on this topic and this thread because I, I know we discussed it offline a little bit, and uh, you've got some you've got a take on I want to hear about. Yeah, I th- thank, thanks, Chris. That's one I'm, one I'm particularly passionate about uh, for for a few reasons, but one one of the big ones really is the positive experience I had of this as a teenager. And I think if it wasn't for you know just randomly finding someone who was just an expert in e-commerce, uh, actually e-banking, so he was a really senior guy at a bank. Uh, in the early days of online banking, and he was just really instrumental in me understanding some technologies that just leapfrogged me. Really, you know, things like Linux and some some other things that just sort of really propelled my learning and my understanding. And, and but the, the, the trick he was he gave was he kind of asked me the right questions, like where do you want to go and what do you want to do, and 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 sort of unlocked different topics for me. And that's what I think the um, art of a good mentor or a good coach is. Right, is that there's someone who kind of doesn't just sort of blur out stuff at you, like you know, it doesn't just download their experience at you, but kind of really understands where you want to go and and sort of you know helps shape your journey as it were. So it's um, not about creating a mini me. It's about um, 
enabling somebody. Is that right? I think it's, te- it's tempting, isn't it? To go, oh, I'm just going to create the next. That's where I failed. That's where I failed in all of my coaching approach. Well, well, that, 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 you've got to kind of park the ego, haven't you? It's, it is, it's, it's, it's difficult because you kind of, you almost want to spell things out to people. But one of the things I think I've learned from coaching people and mentoring people is, and obviously we'll get into the difference of those two things in a bit, I'm sure, is this kind of, you've got to allow people to fail themselves or go on the journey themselves, right? It's, it's, it's all too tempting to go, oh, don't do this because I made that mistake back in 1995. And, but you've kind of just got to give people some direction and then allow them to kind of work some things out for themselves. Because I think, you know, learning styles are interesting, aren't they? But clearly, I think you learn best when you kind of experience something yourself. And the, I think the art of a good coach is someone who kind of, like I say, sets you on the right path, gives you some pointers. But, and then is someone who you can kind of go and go back to and say, hey, I, I've tried this, but this didn't really work for me. And, and then, they, you know, it's kind of that feedback loop, really. I think that's what a good uh, coaching sort of relationship is for me, is that, is that feedback loop. Oliver, was it a formal or informal? And was it structured or unstructured? Talk to us about what that looked like and how that, why that worked for you. So, so yeah, so that for my first experience of this, as I was describing earlier, just before I went to university, it was very much informal, very much unstructured. But I don't know if 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 uh, my you know my my friend at the time had a structure in mind. Clearly, he'd also trained other other people in in his corporate life. But it was very unstructured. I think he just sort of looked at what I found interesting and sort of just sort of fed my enthusiasm really. But I think more recently, when I have been mentoring people, uh, it's very much, I've very much tried to structure it because I'm conscious that you know particularly in busy lives, you know busy consulting lives. You've got maybe half an hour or an hour, once a fortnight, whatever it is. How do we get the best value out of this time? For me, it's generally been to say to the mentee, what, what, you know, what, what do you want to get out of this? You know, I, we can talk about a range of different things, but what are your goals? Either what are your career goals or what are your knowledge kind of goals? What, what is it you're looking to do? And let's focus in on that agenda because otherwise, you guys know me, I go all over the place, right? So ha- get, keep me focused. What, what do you want? To, what, what topic areas? What are your goals? And but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Sometimes unstructured can be great because you can go anywhere. But at the same time, there's a danger you don't sort of stick on the track that perhaps you originally intended. Yeah, you know, as a young consultant, um, when I was first starting out, you know, and there's the, the sort of the mandatory, you will, have a, you will have a coach and this person will coach you, right? And, uh, you know, it, it was often like, you know, well, what do you want to do? And it's like, I want to I make money and do important things, you know? Like, I want to feel good about what I'm doing. I guess, you know, Wendy, I was kind of wondering on your perspective, because I know you, you know, you've been in consulting a really long time. And, you know, if you're, if you're that young person coming in, you know, what, why do you need a coach? Why do you need that mentorship relationship? What, like, honestly, because isn't it going to just be forced on you anyway? Like, why should you go out and search for this? What, what does it matter? I have to say, I've become just a junkie around coaching and mentoring. I do a lot of it. Uh, individuals and groups, and I have a lot of coaching. I'm in, you know, different organizations and, and work with individuals myself. So I am a big fan of this. And um, because of that perspective and those experiences, I feel like it's it's more important for younger consultants now than it has been, especially when I think about when I was a younger consultant. 
Um, so, so very tactically, I think there's just learning how to do things, right? Because remember, coaching doesn't just have to be, hey, here's your career and here's where you want to be. Because I agree with you. It's like, I want to make money and I want to be good. I want to be a star, right? But there's, especially as you're shifting into different roles, coaching can be more tailored to learning skills or learning specific things. And I think if that's ever been more relevant, it's it's today, right? Is you know, there's some some roles or some digital roles that like you just you're not gonna learn this stuff in university. You have to learn by doing so. I think that's important. I think also getting in a coaching and a, or a mentoring mindset early is important because, again, we're not going to step out of college anymore and have a career and do it until we retire. We are going to have to keep reinventing ourselves and just the very mindset of learning. Um, and, and I think, Oliver, as, as you mentioned, too, having someone that cares about you is really important and, and goes to bat for you and helps you, especially earlier in your career. And, you know, listen, I think coaching and mentoring is a way that you get to shape what you want to do and where you want to go versus just following the path that's given to you. And there's so many options to do that today that, um, I, I, now as I've, um, had my own consulting firm, I had a mentoring program where everybody was mentoring everybody, you know, not everybody, but everybody had a mentor. We had plans and that worked really well. But consultants today can get coaching and mentoring from even outside of the organization and they get to shape who they want to be. How much of it is just having, you know, a good personal board, right, around you, you know, rather than like, hey, be my mentor. It's just like, no, I want to let's have a conversation about your career and how that worked and having multiple people involved in that process. Yeah, I, I think this can take so many forms. Right. And the thing is, some people feel like uh, some I don't think I think some people don't realize they need the help or they could benefit from the help. And some do. And some seek it out just sort of casually and informally from a whole bunch of people. Hey, I think today I'll talk to Chris about this or I'll talk to Wendy or ask Oliver about this thing. And it might be something like that. But there are other folks who said, you know what? I need the accountability component of this. I need someone that's going to look into my shadow. And for that, I got to get somebody who's just going to regularly ask me hard questions and make me kind of uncomfortable about where I am. Because if I don't have this regular bit of uncomfortableness in where I am, I will be here 20 years from today doing the same thing, not having learned, not having progressed. And I need someone that just asks me the questions that gets me moving. By the way, you, you do that to me and I appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah, no, thanks. And, you know, and we've done it at various ways, right? Sometimes it's casual. It's occasionally been formal and scheduled and structured. But I mean, it, I think it's a thing that I like to do sort of naturally, but I've also got people that I hang around with regularly that they're saying, look, I just want to be in that space where you just scare me a little bit. You know, you ask me questions and find out what am I up to and where are you headed? And, you know, and I, they give me the permission. They ask me to come ask those questions and we just make them uncomfortable and figure out what's next. So talk a little bit about the different types, right? Because there's, there's like, Hey, the kind of mentoring that you're talking about, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to constantly keep you accountable, right? To the things that you said you were going to do. There's that there's career mentoring. Like, you know, oh, you should cozy up to this partner because, you know, he's a rainmaker and, you know, that's how you get advanced. I mean, that's how right. it works, right? Um, 
I think, you know, was, and of course, Wendy started it out, right? She just mentioned that what I think is that spectrum, right? I mean, it could be on one side, just life coaching. Like, how do I not have my life fall apart while I'm doing this, right? How do I not end up with a bunch of bad habits and a string of ex-wives and all of this kind of stuff because of how I went into my consulting gig without having balance, without having virtue, right? That's the kind of folks that like say, all right, I need someone to kind of help me figure out how to not become a mess, a hot mess while I do this. So that's one piece of this, but it might be someone says, look, I got that kind of, I think I've got the who I am part really kind of well done, but I don't think I know my way to navigate through my career in this space as a consultant. Or maybe it's even from a technical side, right? I just don't know what skills I ought to be adding to my uh, list of things I need to do. And, you know, I've said this before, but right, this is this whole thing, consulting in the tech space, this is the world's longest running IQ test. If you don't have someone helping you figure out what's next and prep for the next level, you just get left behind, right? You're that dude sitting there, you know, like, oh man, punch cards, they're the, be- they're the best. That was the greatest. I was, I was so good. There's almost a spectrum here from, you know, uh, yeah, kind of professional kind of coaching, but all the way through to almost therapy and counseling, right? Because some of the things yeah. you were just describing there, that I've coached you, so there's almost a blurry line now, isn't it? Because there's so many people you see on LinkedIn that say, hey, I'm, I'm a life coach here or whatever, or I'm, a, I'm a mentor or a coach or whatever. And then you have people that do therapy and you do counseling. And I think it's really interesting to see now the, the more acceptance of the fact that, yeah, I actually need some help. So I'm going to go and get yeah, some specialist yeah. help in that so area. Let's, yeah, let's split that for just a second, because I think that's important. And I think some coaches don't realize that they're not supposed to be therapists <laughs> and they kind of get into that space. Right. But, you know, if you're suicidal, if you're having real depression problems, et cetera, that's clinical, right? That's where you talk, you bring in a psychologist, you bring in a psychiatrist, you may need meds, but you certainly need professional counseling. You do not need to go down to your local whatever and pick up a coach for that. That's not the right thing, right? That's, those are professionals that are in that space to be therapeutic in that particular setting. Medically trained. Medically trained, et cetera, right? And of course, I know you guys in the UK, it's different the way we do it. But but the thing is, that's one group of cats. And if you need that help, if you're listening to our voices and you feel like you need that help, go get that help. We're not talking about any of that today, right? What we're talking about, people are trying to figure out, how do I take the next step of my career? That is, I am capable and whole, but I'm trying to figure out what the next step of this thing is. And I'm looking for someone to help me figure that out. That is where coaching comes in. And as Oliver and as Wendy pointed out, that could be someone who is, you know, it might be informal. I like what Oliver said, you know, hey, this person's pretty clever and I'd like to talk to them and they'd like to ask me and maybe I can just like set up a few meetings and I can do this. And I love that. And that works for lots of things. Right. Uh, but there are other times just like, I'm not even sure I know what questions to ask. How about I just pay someone to ask me the questions to move me along. And I think you can find that is also a whole relationship. So, you know, as Chris mentioned, you know, we've done stuff that's just kind of casual. Hey, we're sitting around, we got a drink, we're having smokes and just good questions come up. And the bad thing about being around me is it's kind of the way I entertain myself. I kind of like think of everybody as a puzzle and I'm just trying to think about what to take for them to pull them to the next level. So you buy me a drink or a cigar and we just sit and talk and I just ask questions because I'm curious. I just think it's fun. 
fun. And that's a thing I would do. On the other hand, there are people who write me a check every month and we sit down and we sit this in a group and we actually have a very formalized conversation around the same sort of thing. And you just got to figure out what that is for you. But I like, you know, if Oliver can figure out a group of people or anyone can figure out a group of people that it's just like, I like them because I think they ask me good questions, then hang out with them and figure out and get as much out of that as you can. By the way, I should point out that about five years ago, it was exactly that scenario. We were sitting at a local cigar bar, having a cigar, and you looked at me and you said, you know, all that stuff you're writing about and putting on blog posts and writing the book, you should have a podcast about that kind of stuff. Nice. So what did I do? What, I made myself work. What I heard is, I don't, what I heard is I got to write you a check is I think what it what, <laughs> One thing that's occurring to me is, as you know, we all speak here too, is there's a mindset in this that you can become really open, whether it's formal or informal. And I think, you know, back to your question too, Chris, on, on youth, it's like embrace that openness to keep growing and asking those hard questions. Um, and by the way, Oliver, I loved your point around what I'm going to say, the matching, right? The matchmaking. So if it is more formal, I mean, there are even platforms that consulting companies use yeah. to match people and and I mean I'm sure this exists, but you know, what if there were platforms we could use, you know, across organizational boundaries to really tap into the best people to get mentoring and coaching from. But no, I really like what you were sort of describing, Wendy, is there's some way of uh, of almost sort of flagging, hey, I, I quite like to get support on this and I can offer this. So some sort of kind of mentoring exchange. Maybe we've just invented I think uh, any online right. business. TM, TM right here. Trademark. It's just the the mentoring exchange. Ment ment chain. I don't know. We'll come up with a word. Uh, but no, I think, you know, but on, on that point, right, Oliver, it's, it, what you just said is like common ground, right? Like LinkedIn is too diverse and broad, right? And you all get those like, hey, I can help you with a video animation for your marketing or whatever. And it's like, where's this coming from? Right? Or it's, it's the modern equivalent of junk mail, right? I mean, um, but I think that that common experience, right? And I think that's, you know, my, my, sort of glib take at the beginning that, you know, as it's done sort of in certainly the, the big four in large strategy MBB consulting firms, right, to name a few, you know, it's, um, it's kind of pro forma, right? It's sort of like, you know, you will be coached, and you will coach, and this is how you do it, right? And, and without that sort of like, well, you know, when it's done badly, you know, if I'm, I have, I'll give you a real experience. I was paired with someone uh, as a, as a mentor, and they were not even in my practice. Right, so it's like, how, what are we going to talk about? And so I think that shared experience has to be part of it, right? Otherwise, it's like you know. I, yeah, and I think I think that's kind of okay to say, isn't it? That for example, in a program like that, you might be paired up with someone. It's just a bad match. You know, give it two or three sessions. And if it isn't going anywhere, then to say, you know, I'm sure that you're exactly the right person for somebody else. It's just not gelling for me. I'm not asking the right questions. It doesn't matter. It's just not working. Let's go find, you know, I'm, we're going to each of us go find some that we can help. And that's okay. Yeah. That's a no harm, no foul thing. Oliver, you, you've spent, you, you were at one of the aforementioned companies and now you're not, right? And, so the question would be, what do you see as the difference? It's interesting, actually, because I was literally catching up with um, a manager going to senior manager grade person from that world this week. And um, she reached out to me for some advice, you know, and um, 
it was interesting because it was actually more about the kind of mechanics and the process of the organization. Like some of these organizations and big corporates, as we all know, have some pretty convoluted processes, right? So just to onboard like a project or a new client or to do kind of conflict checks and various things like that can be an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. So actually some of those um, mentoring things often in a, in a big four, there's something to talk about regardless of whether there's any synergy on the subject matter expertise sort of side, because often it's like, God, you've, you've done these project setups before. Talk to me about the sort of 25 steps and where the kind of minefield is and where's the big sort of trap door of doom that I need to kind of avoid. Um, so, so I think in, in, in large organizations like that, there's a, there's a number of different dimensions, right? It could be, how do I navigate the firm? How do I go from, you know, senior consultant to manager or manager to senior manager? Or I think the hardest one, by the way, is probably director to partner. Um, you know, the, 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 there's, a, there's a graveyard there of many people who have tried to make that transition and, and, and have fallen through the trapdoor. Um, so, industry to industry. They fall yeah, through the trapdoor uh, to industry. Maybe to a software company. Who, 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 who knows? Um, but, the, French uh, anyway. word, the French word is oubliette, a place of forgetting. <laughs> They're dropped through, never to be seen again. But, uh, and I think it's interesting because we, we were prepping for this as well. We were also talking about apprenticeships, right? So I think there is almost this like, there's different sort of courses for, you know, horses for courses, isn't there? And I think there's the sort of how do you get sort of ramped up? How do you get your kind of consulting journey started as a new graduate or a new uh, hire into the firm? Because actually experienced hires is probably one of the hardest transitions as well into the firm. So there's often sort of mentorship programs for experienced hires with people that have been at the firm, perhaps more of their career, to kind of help people really get their head around the engagement model, billing, chargeable hours, all that, all that sort of different mindset that if you've been in industry, you just, you know, and you're now an experienced hire because you've been brought in because you know about, I don't know, regulation X, Y, Z. All of a sudden, you now need to know how to operate in this sort of new strange world of the partner model and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of, I think, exchange of knowledge around, you know, the war stories of, oh, I was on this project or this engagement, or I had this situation with a partner, and this is how I kind of manage the relationship. Because, yeah, I think, I think the big four is a lot about relationships, relationships internally and relationships with clients, how you go and find new work. So that whole kind of how it really works here, kind of, you know, how you get a book of business and a pipeline, all that sort of stuff, that's, that's a whole kind of, I think, chapter or book of sort of knowledge swapping. And then I think you've got subject matter expertise, um, you know, and I think there's a lot of that that goes on. And, and then I think you've kind of got industry knowledge, right, and, and cross-industry sort of information exchange. Like, I think one of the things I uh, have really found useful is because I've worked in a number of industries that kind of cross-fertilization of concepts and ideas that have perhaps come from the energy industry and bringing them into the finance industry or vice versa or telco and all that sort of stuff. I think because you know, organizations kind of, or industries kind of get good ideas or have good pockets of innovation, but often it sort of stops within that industry. So then you go and jump to another industry and say, guys, you know, we do billing or whatever in, in this way. And it's, yeah, for me, there's, there's, there's probably four or five different themes like that that are either like kind of, you know, the operating model of the organization, the sales pipeline, the subject matter expertise, the industry knowledge, or perhaps it's a networking thing. Like, who's in your network? Who can, how can I build a network? How do I learn from you how to network externally and internally within the organization? Those are the sorts of things I think that come up in that world. Let's go back to that, that idea of shared experience. If all of your coaches are female, there's a very significant not shared experience there, right? How do you, how do you navigate that? Or, or an ethnicity difference, or uh, you know, whatever language thing. You know, how do I you actually, I also, I also do because I want to understand the other side better. 
because clearly I I exist in in my frame of reference. So I think this is just how things are. And then my world gets completely shattered by someone going, do you know what? I just don't know that. Or I've never had the opportunity to kind of have that opportunity because that door isn't open to me. And I'm like, wow, really? And it's just, I think, you know, as a, as someone who's pale, male and stale, you know, as the saying goes, I, I think wait, a lot of wait, this. Wait, 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 what? Is this a British thing? No, well, that, this. It's increasingly a thing about diversity, right? Is 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 often it's kind of a derogatory remark, right? If you walk into a into a into a meeting or something now, or a virtual Zoom, and say, "Crikey, this 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 is this is this group's looking a bit pale, male, and stale." In other in other words, it's so white, it's, male, it's white and people, old, middle aged, no, middle white men. It's old white middle aged white men. Gotcha. Uh, and and yeah, it's, do, do, it's, are, it's, are you suggesting we have that problem here? Is that? Uh, um, I kind of want your perspective, Phil, on like what what works because I know you do this. You get paid to do this. So like, what works and what doesn't work? I've heard you talk about, and the reason I'm asking you this is because I've heard you talk about like, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you, you just sort of stand back at the back of the room and let things go. Other times you're leading a discussion. Other times you're interjecting just a, a question or you're challenging or what, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, as someone who's trying to help people, right. And again, it's, you know, it's, it's most free. I mean, I, I do this in a variety of ways, but we're thinking about the sort of, for service kind of space, right? People are showing up saying that they're paying you to do this. And it is just been amazing to me, the number of people, and I've seen this happen multiple times, I've seen it happen over multiple years even, where someone would stay a very long time and they would just simply be resistant to everything that showed up, right? I mean, they're not like, well, I'm, I'm gonna pay, I'm going to be the cat. I'm going to be there. And I promise you, I'm going to take none of this to heart. I'm not going to be open and honest and ask good questions or lean into this thing at all. And it's always one of those things. I mean, as the guy who's trying to help, I mean, it doesn't matter. The check doesn't matter, quite frankly. That's just kind of make sure that you show up. The part of this is like, oh my gosh, I'd like to help. And it was that's been the hardest for thing for me as someone who's coached others is to watch people. I don't mean that they didn't take my advice. It's like they weren't paying attention. You know, I mean, it, they just didn't emotionally engage with let's take the next step. I, and, I uh, think that's, sorry, sorry, Phil. I think there is a degree of, and I don't want to, I don't want to sort of stereotype certain generations, but I think there is a degree of, uh, I, I know it all and I don't need your help. And I'm just here because someone Someone's told me I have to be. I have experienced that as well, right? Like people that just aren't, you need to, I think you need to be in the right sort of frame of mind to want to absorb other people's experiences. Otherwise it's, it, it's you're not going to get the value out of it, right? You need to have that sort of open mindset, growth mindset, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, as someone, as we seek out coaching, we kind of admit to ourselves, perhaps we have a problem, but we don't really admit that we're going to have to change to make that go away. <laughs> right? And I just think we kind of get stuck in some place. So I think that's what it is. So when you ask what doesn't work, what doesn't work is not showing up. It doesn't work to not be honest. It doesn't work to not be open. Um, you know, this is a lean forward kind of activity. So uh, you have to decide this is what you want to do. And I get it that maybe part of the thing you're getting coached on is learning how to be open, learning how to be emotionally engaged with the material or with your work or whatever. Um, and just different people take it for different ways. And I think Oliver's 
choice. That has certainly been one I've seen. You know, I've been in places where it's been a larger group and some portion of the group is sent because their boss says you need to learn this. That's terrible. Just, just terrible, right? I mean, only some small percentage get it. But I've been in rooms where, you know, I'm the one teaching, this cat's writing me a check and he still doesn't show up for this thing. I mean, he's just mentally disengaged and it doesn't matter what kind of questions you're asking, he's just not, not, not leaning in, not saying, okay, maybe I need to take this to heart. But on the other hand, I've had some just truly remarkable folks come through our conversations and make some great changes and it's just, it is so rewarding. I mean, even this past week, I got a note from someone I hadn't heard from in years who said, hey, by the way, in 2010, you told me this, I took it to heart and I went and did this and now I'm here. And I'm like, man, that just, that just made my day. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's the nicest thing I've heard all week. So, you know, some will, some won't. Um, and you just have to live with that, right? Um, you know, let me, my opportunity to bring up dichotomy of control here, right? I mean, I, I have control over some things and I don't have control over other things. I have control over me being virtuous, me being useful and trying to be helpful to people. I don't have control over whether they listen or not. And that's the best I can do. Thank you. Thank you for the the shout out to the Stoic Society. <laughs> Epictetus, Epictetus to the rescue. Epictetus to the rescue. So, so now... Like we've talked about like the different kinds of, of mentoring, coaching, being a, being a coach, being coached, right? There's another aspect to this, which is sort of, you know, if, if I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it effectively, like, like people, here's, I'm just, this is an editorial comment. I have no science to back this up. People learn by doing, right? And so there's, there's, an, there's an apprentice model here too that I think comes into play. It's more the kind of, does the operating model and engagement model for the firm that you're working for allow for this learning on the job. And one of the consultancies before, one of the big ones, I worked for a, a, a sustainable energy and sustainability consultancy. And I always remember that one of the things I was tasked with doing was introducing digital uh, services to the portfolio, right? So they were doing a lot of sort of experts, getting an expert in on air quality and they'll do a project. Well, no, we wanted to build systems. But this kind of understanding that we couldn't just magically do this. We needed to have some time baked into engagements or the training model or, you know, some, some time codes or something that allowed people to book that extra time that they were using to get up to speed. That can actually be a real problem when you've got a really highly optimized cost model that just wants everyone billing their hours to client projects and there is no room for overhead. Like I, I remember the, the kind of almost negative impact of anything that was viewed as an overhead at this organization. Like it was like a dirty word, like overhead was a dirty word, like, you know, training and all that sort of stuff that wasn't client billable. You know, okay, holiday was just about acceptable, <laughs> but you know, vacation. But if it wasn't vacation, it, it should be but client client billable. And, and this sort of expectation that if you're in a junior grade, you're like 80% plus billable. I, I, and I guess because a lot of how these consultancies work that way. The problem with it is for me is it just misses this massive opportunity for people as they're kind of learning and going through the system to really learn from more experienced people around them because you haven't allowed for any time for that to happen. I am I'm a big fan of apprenticeship. Um, and I 100% agree it does come down to the model. And um, so I ran really large business architecture practice. And the entire model is different levels of business architects, senior business architect, lead business architects. And, you know, two things. One is it is really hard to teach somebody 
how to architect the transformation or drive that. You only learn that by doing that and putting together all sorts of skills and watching and being part of that. But the other thing that worked really well was the progression of those roles because I'm sitting in the room as a business architect or even a senior business architect. I'm not wasting time billing. Like I'm doing my role and then maybe I get a chance to facilitate, like to, to sort of get in those shoes or, or whatever the, the activity might be. But um, it does come down to that engagement model. And I think, frankly, some roles just absolutely need apprenticeship to really learn it and do it. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I think that's right. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is really now what we would call adult learning model, right? Uh, teaching people the right thing at the, when they need to know it, right? When it's the right time for them to learn it, right? And so I think that's absolutely useful and that ought to be baked in. If you're building any non-trivial organization that's gonna be doing these kinds of projects, you need to be thinking about, well, how do I make the next cat that knows how to do what we're doing today? And I do that by making sure that people are along for the ride and that they feel like part of this is for them, is the opportunity to learn what comes next. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of apprenticeship in that model. Um, you know, I was gonna say one thing you were asking before, and this is, it was kind of lead into where you started with this bit, but I think it's still a point that's worth making. Um, you know, when does this work? And that is people will pay you to be educated but they will give you good reviews if you entertain them. Mm. And, you know, you bring them in and the idea is that they come to you with a problem, mm. but they really are going to be happy if you made them happy to learn the material. Sorry, it's a bit like that saying, isn't it? That, that people don't necessarily remember what you tell them, but they remember how you made them feel. And, yeah, uh, it's right it's alongside that, right? But I mean, the thing is, I see this all the time. And I just did this huge event on Saturday and, you know, the, payment was the payment or whatever. That was okay. But the thing is, I knew that we did a great job of entertaining the audience and the reviews are just nuts, right? You would have thought that we'd have come out and wash their cars for them in addition <laughs> to teaching them what we did. But, uh, but the thing is, and I was talking to the other co-hosts of the group and I said, uh, you know what? We entertained them and that, that became very clear. And if we don't do that, it doesn't matter how great the material is. We entertained them while we did it. What what's the takeaway from this for for either maybe a, a entrant entrant entry level consultant, someone who's been around the horn a few times and is a little bit jaded, or like an old hand that's like thinks it's all BS, right? Like what do we what do we have as a takeaway for for these folks? I think mindset underpins every one of those spectrums. Whether you are uh, just starting out, you have to be hungry and open and know that like this is a way you're going to advance yourself um, in your life and in your career. If you are in that role and you're mentoring people, you sort of have to, right? It's I think you have to also embrace what it means to be a coach and a mentor and learn how to ask good questions and find it in yourself to, 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 to be able to do that instead of just imparting knowledge. Um, or, or, or not be a part of it. Because I think, I think the mentor and the coach is really important, can have a, a, lot of, a lot of impact on people. The other point that I want to say that we haven't really touched on, but if I could throw in another angle, it's um, I think for organizations, consulting firms and other organizations, we have to embrace 
coaching, mentoring, and apprenticeship. Um, just to quote the, the CEO of Pearson, right, of all people, Pearson says that there's so much um, upskilling and reskilling to be done that corporations or consulting firms are becoming universities of the future. So I think it matters for everybody. I think we should just, if we can, leave behind those thoughts and just go open into the future and what's possible. You know, this I mean, I, I like the way Wendy said it, right? <clears throat> Coaching, apprenticeship, mentoring, super important, whether you're delivering or receiving. And here's the thing, um, consulting, this whole space that we're inside, right? It's a recursive activity. It's a thing you get better at the more you practice it. And if you are not seeking out, I mean, if you, if you are not somehow being assigned teachers to make sure you get better at this and review your performance as you go along, then you need to be doing that for yourself. And I'm going to tell you, that is one I think, I would like to think some of the most valuable advice I've ever given anybody who works for me, which is you need to be seeking out the people that can help you get to the next level. You need to figure that out and you need to establish those relationships on your own if no one else has simply handed them to you. Don't wait for that. Particularly, when you asked me about the big four sort of world, and I think what Phil has talked about there is particularly true. You have to take ownership of your own career and your own personal development, and the best way to do that is, yeah, it is through kind of you know getting those experienced folks. And this concept of just-in-time learning, I think we've touched on, and, and lifelong learning, right, is, is is vital. And the other thing I guess I would add is for, for those who are perhaps you know a bit more experienced and are just annoyed at perhaps having to do this activity because they just see it as like something they're, they're being to do. Bear in mind that this is actually vital for the advancement of your career to perhaps say manager to senior manager or manager to director or, or, or for you to be seen as partner material. You're not just sort of selfishly, you know, hoarding knowledge, hoarding connections, hoarding clients and, and projects, because in order to scale, you need to delegate, you need to build trust and you need to impart your knowledge in your teams that, that you're building underneath you and, and around you. So, um, I think, you know, look at this from the other angle. What do you get out of this as someone doing the mentoring or doing the coaching is people are seeing you in a different light. They're not just seeing you as a great subject matter expert or a great consultant. They're seeing you as a partner or a director of the future. Uh, and that's really helpful for your career. So that would be the takeaway for me if you're in that sort of big four environment is don't see this as a chore. See this as something you need to kind of get your head around because it's vital to progressing on your career journey. That's a great tip. I, I think my my thought on it is, you know, the the best coaching experiences I have had, both giving and receiving, um, is with people that I was actually friends with, right? That I was actually, that had, we had a common language about things, right? And, um, you know, who better to hold your feet to the fire, right? Than someone that actually understands you, right? And knows what your weaknesses are, as opposed to just sort of the, you know, hey, uh, the monthly check in with the, you know, the uh, whomever, the senior partner that's assigned to be your, you know, whatever, uh, your career developer or something like that, right? And I think so to the extent, right, that friendships are are great places to find mentors, obviously not every friend, but um, they're a great, they're, I think it's a great resource. I think in a professional setting, if you work with people enough, they know how you work, they know what you do well, and they know what you don't do well, right? So listen, I appreciate the time, everybody. Um, Oliver Cronk, Phil Yanoff, Wendy Keen. Um, I'm Chris Lockhart. Thank you, everybody for watching. And, uh, you know, subscribe and like. Where's the bell? Is it up here?
with subscribe <laughs> and like. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, comment, you know, et, et cetera. Uh, appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, check out the website at consultantsayingthings.com. And uh, appreciate it, guys. And we'll, we'll chat again soon. Chip. That's soon.